Welcome back to the Auto Amateur Podcast. This is James. In this episode, I'm sitting around in the kitchen with my friends, Chris and Steve, and we're going to be talking about Porsches and Porsche ownership. So in this episode, we're talking about Porsche ownership and specifically how we got into Porsches. I've got my friends Steve and Chris here today. So guys, say hello, tell us about the type of cars you drive, and uh, then we'll get into it. Hello, I'm Steve. Uh, I have a 2001 Porsche Boxster S and uh, as my summer car, and I've got an Audi A3 as a daily driver, and uh, I just, I love both cars, but that the, the Boxster S is really captured my soul as far as a driving experience um i kind of got tricked in or i kind of got i didn't never even thought about porsches as a as a um car for me i've always liked them but i never in a million years thought i would be able to own one or drive one um but a friend of mine called me up one day and he said hey i just bought a porsche and this is my best friend my whole life and i said no you didn't you're an idiot. How did you buy a Porsche? You can't afford one. And he's like, come downstairs. And he was at my apartment and I went downstairs and there's this beautiful red 2002 Porsche Boxster S sitting there. Looked nice. absolutely brand new. And I'm like, where did you steal this from? <laughs> and he's like, no, I bought it. And I'm like, I can't believe this. This is, it's gorgeous. What's wrong with it? And he's like, nothing's wrong with it. So we went for a ride, and I was completely captivated by how amazing this car handled, drove, gripped the road, and everything. So I was just gobsmacked by it. So I started looking right away for a boxer for myself. Like straight away? Straight away. I got online. I started doing searches. There was a silver one here in the cities. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. You know, I'm excited for it. No, I can't buy a Porsche. I, I just, there's no way I can do this. And why? Because of the stigma associated with well, it? Well, there was, there was a little bit of stigma. There was a little bit of, is this being responsible? Is it, am I just being, an, am I just going to be an idiot buying a car that I really can't afford? What's it like to maintain? Right. You know, am I getting in, jumping in the deep end? You didn't know too much about it. I didn't it. know anything. I couldn't I couldn't have told you a Boxster from a Cayman, from a Cayenne, from a 911. And I didn't know any of those models even existed then. So I started doing a little bit of research. I held off. And then a week later, I decided, yeah, I want to buy one. And so there was nothing in the Twin Cities area. Nothing. So I like, expanded my search. I found a beautiful car out in Chicago. And so I called the dealership up and I'm like, is this car, is this car good? I mean, you know, tell me everything about the car. They told me all about the car. I said, okay, here's the deal. Is this car exactly what you portray it as? Because I'm interested in this car and I'm going to fly out and buy the car. If it's, you know, if it's what you're portraying, they're like, yep, it's all good to go. So I'm like, all right. So I gave them a deposit on the phone and, Booked a one-way flight to Chicago. Wow. I showed up. You put a deposit down before you even saw the car. Yes. Yeah. So I show up, 
get out of the taxi and they came out to to greet me and they're like you don't have a bag i said well i'm gonna be sleeping at home tonight (laughs) i'm I'm buying this car and i'm driving home so i went for a drive in the car it was beautiful it it handled great it was everything i expected and, and dreamed of it was in great condition so i you know made the purchase and started driving home so you went zero to 60 and like well, okay, five days. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm totally, I'm totally an analyst. It takes me like a year to figure out what TV I want to buy. Right. I can't, I don't buy things quickly. So I'm on my way home and I'm driving from Chicago back to, back to St. Paul. And about halfway through Wisconsin, I magically team up with two other boxsters that oh, were really? cruising down the road. And we cruised together for like, two and a half hours wow weaving in and out with each other and just having a good time and it was amazing i'm like it was the right move to buy this car it was meant to be Steve. Yeah. it was yep. meant to be yep. now how about you chris so currently i drive a 2017 uh 911 targa 4 but that wasn't my first porsche so back in 2015 or even before that 2014 when they announced that the porsche macan was coming out I was really interested in that and I kept building specs and I was really you know going back and forth I was going to the dealership and I was looking they had just gotten some in and I was looking at them and that was what that was the car that I was gonna get like that was like I don't know I was dead set on getting a Macan Turbo like that was just like the car I don't know how many times I went through builds and like I said I was bothering the hell out of those guys at you know at the (laughs) local dealership and then and had at that point I had never even looked at like a Cayenne or anything else. Obviously, you know, backing up a little bit, I've always always wanted a Porsche. I've been a Porsche guy since I was a kid. I mean, I've had the posters of the, you know the nine five nine and all of the uh, you know the, even the nine seventeen race cars on on my wall. I absolutely loved Porsche. I had to have, you know I'm finally in a financial position where I could have one. Um, but I wanted to be practical, you know, and that was one thing that wife wanted. She was like, no, no, you can't get a sports car. It has to have a back seat. It needs to be able to haul around kids, you know? So I was meeting her halfway. And like I said, this was the Macan. It just was just coming out. And I was like dead set on building one and getting one and ready to go. And went in and I was like I said, ready to put a deposit down and get a build in for a, for a 2015 Macan turbo. And I sat in a brand new, um, Cayenne and a Cayenne S and I was really kind of blown away by how much bigger the space was I felt like the you know at the time I loved it I, like I was like really impressed with how nice this car was and just felt I don't know it was it was a really nice car um, and it was it had full leather um, it had air suspension PASM I and mean, it was it was a well-loaded um, Cayenne S and I ultimately ended up buying that Cayenne S, and that was my first, uh, my very first Porsche. A Cayenne S. So that's not the one I drove. No, I, I drove the Turbo. You wrote the Turbo. Okay, so you had a Cayenne S. Yes, and, and I had that car for about three years before I ultimately, once my um, warranty was getting towards the end, I had traded it in for a 2015 um, Cayenne Turbo. Okay, so the S wasn't like baller enough for you it wasn't baller enough until i got in the seat behind a cayenne turbo and i was like holy this is insane this is this is a this is almost too much but i loved that i loved it it was amazing i remember driving that and just being 
shocked at how fast an SUV could move. Because I thought, all right, it's a turbo, so it's bound to be fast. But, I mean, at the time, I, was I driving my 997? I think I was. 997. Yeah. I remember your face when I watched the video. Your, your <laughs> eyes got, like, dinner plates. You're like, oh, my God. I just thought, this this can't be an SUV. Yeah, that, that was really yeah. amazing. But then that wasn't. That wasn't the end of your Porsche journey. No, of course not. So the dream was always a 911. And it took years and years of convincing the wife that, you know, <laughs> practicality isn't always everything. And that I could cram two kids into the back seat of a 911 and it could be a reasonable daily driver. Um, so, fine, you know, last year, last April, um, I traded in my Cayenne Turbo for a, a 2017 Targa. And I absolutely love that car. Um, it's been a just, it's such a fun car to drive around. But I guess, as James has said, the car is kind of partially dead to me because I've uh, <laughs> recently uh, just put in a, um, a deposit and built my uh, 992. So that'll be coming in June of uh, 2020. And, so. and we're going to make a video about your 992. I'm excited yes. to build it and just see what it looks like as we build it together. Um, but let me ask you that then. So having bought, I mean, so Targa's beautiful 911 trim, highly collectible. Uh, you got a great color. You got a pretty unique color combination with the red interior and the, the black exterior. It's a beautiful car and it's pretty much brand new. So why the move to the 992? There's a couple different reasons for the 992. Um, I can get a one is the overall cost of that particular car. Um, I'm able to make a little bit, little bit better financial um, by believe it or not. With me purchasing a new car, I can actually get a little bit better pricing um, on this particular vehicle than what I'm currently paying right now. That's one. Okay. Obviously, I always want the bigger and the best and the newest. So you know, mm -hmm. that's another. Um, does that but, mean? Does that mean you're soon going to be putting in an order for a 992 Turbo? Uh, we'll see. Like okay, I got to keep this car for at least maybe 18 months before we uh, move I'm, on I'm to the at next Steve one. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, he need, he does need a Taycan Turbo S. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That that car's a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that's really fantastic. So. What does Porsche mean to you guys? I mean, there are so many car enthusiasts out there. There are, you know, the Mustang crew, the Ferrari guys, the Lambo guys. There are so many cars to enjoy. There are so many different brands that, you know, like for Lamborghinis, for example, I appreciate that they are powerful and they've got this aura around them and they're like, you know, the supercar as opposed to the sports car. But I've never really felt attached to them i've never really had the desire to even sit in one and at cars and coffee you occasionally see them and i'm like nah. oh look you know a vintage mustang or of course all of the 911s why porsche for you guys and why not another brand for me it was after i took that first ride in my buddy's boxster okay the the capability of the car is parallel than none um and and even once i once i purchased my my boxster i said i'll never not own an, a porsche in my life i will always have a porsche in my garage wow. for the rest of my life mm -hmm. it's i'd be cheating myself if i didn't have one because they're they're the pinnacle of 
perfect engineering. Why have why why do their models not change much year after year? They get a little bit bigger, a little bit wider. They get updated slightly because they hit the they hit the mark first first try. Now all they're doing is improving on it. Mm-hmm. And it, there's you know, I love all the different makes and makes and vehicles out there. You know they all have um, they all have their place, and I love them all. But none of them none of them you know check the box like the Porsche does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chris? Well, for me, it was originally just the styling and the look of the the nine eleven. I mean, that's just that distinct look about that particular car. It's just has always got me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lamborghinis, you know, they've all, they they just they look like a you know a, they look like a wedge throwing down the road, you know, yeah. to me. But the nine eleven and the curves and just the de- the attention to detail on that car is just always just been very attractive for me and i just i've always had to have one right they just i I love the look of that car and then of course getting behind the wheel of one and actually driving it and it was like i immediately fell in love Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing i i have the same mentality steve i will never not have a porsche in my garage i don't care what i have to you know (laughs) sell my firstborn but (laughs) i need to have a i have to have this car because i just I love them. I've, I've never owned it. I mean, I've had a lot of vehicles in my lifetime, and I've never had a car where I can just sit in it and it instantly puts a smile on my face. You mm-hmm. have the worst day of your life, mm-hmm. or, you know, just a crappy day at work, and I can just get in my car, and it instantly puts a smile on my face every time. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that car, mm-hmm. and I love just the Porsche brand. It's just, I love it. See, for me... I don't think it's the brand that uh, has really captured my attention. I I can relate to some of what you were saying, Chris, because I like symmetry and I like simplicity. And the 911 as a kid was just one of those cars that was obviously a sports car because you could see the two seats, even though it technically has four. Um, But it looked like that two-seater sports car. It looked refined and all cars are symmetrical, but like looking at a Lamborghini, as an example, I keep picking on the Lambos. There are too many angles, there are too many juts and struts and you know things going on. The Porsche was just like super simple, but more so, it's the driving experience. And I've always liked Porsches, but it wasn't until I first drove that 996 that I bought in California that I really started to like Porsche. And I like it so much that I'm making these videos and podcasts and I've made a bunch of really great friends. And I, like I like you, if I've had a bad day or a stressful day, getting in that car and driving that car, it feels great. Like I started off with a Ford Fiesta 1.1 liter, popular plus, but I loved it. It was the only car I knew at that point in time. And, and it was the same thing. I could have had a bad day. I would sit behind you know the wheel of that beater and, uh, I would just, all my troubles would melt away. And at the time, that was a great car to drive. And then having things like, I don't know if you're familiar with Vauxhalls or Opals, General Motor car sure, cars. Yeah. Um, I had a car that looked pretty similar to like a Taurus. Um, it was an Amiga, Vauxhall Amiga. And it was like, oh, it's two liters. It's two liters and it's got electric windows. Wow. And I would drive from Liverpool to London in that thing for work. And that was like driving us like an amazing car to me. But now I've been in the 911. Everything else is just, it's just 
frustrating to drive. I travel all over the country and pick up rentals, and like they give me, you know, like a beautiful Chevy Impala or a really nice uh, Cadillac XDS or whatever. And as as nice as they are, the driving experience just feels a little sluggish or clumsy. And the 911 to me is just like that perfect driving machine, and that's what I love about it. And Ab- always will. Absolutely. Yep. And I was talking to uh, Lee Sibley from Total 911 magazine the other day, and we were talking about the future of um, 911s when you think about Germany and the UK and other European countries that are introducing laws to say after 2035 or after 2040, no more petrol or diesel cars or even hybrid cars will be allowed to go on sale. They're moving to fully electric. So a fully electric 911 or an equivalent is an eventuality. So when you can't have a flat six engine in a 911, when you can't have the sound of the the petrol turbo or petrol naturally aspirated engine coming out and you listening to it, how do you define what a 911 is? And, And he was suggesting that it's all about the driving experience. It's about, you know, the silhouette, of course, yeah. but how it feels on the road, the power you get, the thrill of driving, that has to be what a 911 means. And that, that's what it is to me. It's like just knowing that I can throw it around a corner a certain way, knowing what it's going to sound like or feel like um, when I accelerate away. Not that I'm like accelerating away from many of you guys, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk about the driving experience and it's, it's absolutely that. That's what brought, that's what got me hooked. That's what got me into it. And that is what I keep coming back to. I try to explain, like my car is not a high horsepower car. It's not a supercar. It's a, it's a great sports car. But the handling capability of that car is second to no other vehicle on earth because I can't I can't believe that I can drive on a side street and take a 90 degree right hand turn at 30 miles an hour without slowing down. I can just turn the wheel and it turns the corner yeah. without without squealing, without anything. It just grips and goes. And yeah. it's just I've never been in anything like that that is so planted and so connected to the road. And, and seems to just eat up whatever you throw at it. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I've never once wished that my car had more power because it's not even about the power, it's about the driving. Well, guys, this has been loads of fun. What advice would you give listeners that are considering getting into no pun intended Porsches for the first time you know having having owned a couple Chris having made a bit of a snap decision Steve yeah any sort of advice to uh, folks that are thinking about getting into Porsches other than just do it because they're amazing well obviously first do it because they are amazing but I think there's a misconception out there as to how much one does cost to own um, in your previous podcast, even Noah was talking a little bit about this, like buying, you know, some of these other cars, you can go out there and buy a brand new fifty, sixty thousand dollar pickup truck and you can spend a lot less than that on a, on a Porsche and those cars retain their value so well yeah. that long term ownership of those cars, it, you're almost, it's better off than a, probably 75% of the cars on the road right now. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess my advice is, is it 
look around, you really it really isn't as expensive to own these vehicles as you really think they are. Okay. Um, Steve? Um, I'll come at it from a different standpoint. Don't be afraid of the cost of ownership and, and getting these huge maintenance bills, um, especially with some of the older cars. I ended up having to take my motor out of my car and doing a bunch of maintenance to it, which was going to be a lot of money, but I did it myself, and I found out that if you're a DIY person, these cars are a dream to work on, especially mm-hmm. the older ones. Mm-hmm. The engineering is so well that it's that it, they're they're really easy to work on when it when, when it comes down to it. So don't buy the first one you look at. Look at a bunch, go in with an informed decision, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid of uh, don't be afraid of any um, you know IMS issues or any of these big issues where, that you hear about. They're really not that bad. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Just recently, I dropped a, another podcast, where an interview with Lee Sibley, the editor of Total 911 magazine. That was a really fantastic conversation. Please go check that out. We talk about a whole host of things, including what we think the future for Porsche 911s holds in the backdrop of the revolution of electric cars. More videos on the way as well. I just recently got my windows tinted in my 911. That video was just dropped recently on my YouTube channel. I'm also going to be getting my 911 wrapped in the next few weeks, and I'll be making a video about that. Lots more to come. Stay tuned. Thanks so much. Bye.